0: Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Hidden Layers podcast. Last year, we focused on the scientists and authors who are expanding the theory and practice behind AI, specifically how deep learning is colliding with the vast amount of customer data available to marketers today. This year, we're focusing on all the exciting ways these technologies are being used or should be used by marketers. And today, we're excited to have John Andrews, CEO of Photify, serial entrepreneur, and a veteran brand marketer for huge companies like Walmart, Haynes, and Kodak. He also has a book coming out soon called Retail Relevancy. And on top of all of that, he finds the time to be an adjunct graduate professor at NC State's Poole College of Management. So we're really excited to have him on to talk about marketing and new technologies and how uh, they're going to be applied and help retail's stay relevant. Welcome, John Andrews. Thank you. Glad to be here. So I'd like to start with a little bit about Photify. Can you talk a little bit about the company and then uh, your vision for the business? Absolutely. So Photify is
1: a content creation platform that enables easy uh, content content creation and sharing, just, just like it sounds. We, the company was originally founded as a photo editing app about uh, going on six years ago. And the team did a, did a great job at that time of really having some advanced features. But if you think about photo editing, your, your average, uh, you know, Facebook messenger has pretty good photo editing tools today. So this so the the company really thought about, you know, how does it add value? How, how does it, it, it create value? Um, Interestingly, it had a lot of its users reach out who were small business owners. So they were real estate agents and uh, uh, yoga uh, instructors and, and what have you. And they said, Hey, I, I love this tool. I'd love to use it for my business. Can you create a, uh, a, a platform for me to be able to add, you know, my elements and, and my things into it. And, and that was done. And, and, and that eventually evolved into an enterprise uh, service. So today, companies like Lifetime Fitness, um, Arbon, Sensi, um, and, and, and many uh, you know direct selling companies, and, and increasingly franchise, and anybody with a distributed youthful, uh, workforce, is using Photofy to provide a toolkit to their employees to be able to make localized content. So, for example, Lifetime Fitness has 9,000 people or so on our platform, and they are yoga instructors and personal trainers and club managers and what have you, and they take the assets which are provided by um, their, their marketing team, and they make content for themselves and their networks locally. So it really is a great platform for, uh, it, you know, supporting content creation at the local level by the people closest to a customer.
0: That's, that's, that's pretty cool. And, and so, so uh, Lifetime Fitness, they'll put together um, uh, their logos, templates, things like that, and then their local – uh, workforce will take their own pictures of classes and things like that and 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 then upload it to social media how do, how does that work
1: Yeah you got it uh so so a lot of the you know a lot of our our clients use templates um you, you know everybody's not a creative everybody you know a lot of people um would would be hesitant to create you know uh, so, uh social content for their company because they just feel like well this this is not going to be good enough so um, what, what a lot of our folks will use, and uh, I may misspeak on the, the correct number, but I, I think a, a company like Lifetime probably has 500, 600 templates that, that their folks can use. So, so one that uh, is pretty popular is, uh, is simply a class scheduler. So uh, a, a yoga instructor might take that template, uh, put in their class schedule for the week, turn that into an Instagram post and post it. the, the great thing is it, it's own brand. It's consistent for lifetime, but it is created by and in the voice of and, and across the network of the person creating the content. So it really has the authenticity uh, of that person along with the consistency of the, the lifetime brand. And so you, you can imagine that amplified by all of their yoga instructors, you know, across the country it really becomes a, a content engine. And why we think this is important for the future is um, today, if you think about the, the digital marketing approach for most companies, uh, so, so they'll have you know all the things that they're doing on their sites and their, their social channels and, and what have you. Uh, they'll have some sort of CRM. They'll, they'll have maybe an influencer program. Um, this just augments – all of those things so well at a local level, which is where people really have challenges. Um, How do I create localized content for all of the lifetime fitness locations across the nation? Um, It's really hard to do. Like if you had your agency do it, it would be super expensive. Um, If people just share the same content, you know, the algorithms kind of look at, you know, Google will look at that as a single piece of content and kind of not give you credit for it. There, There are all kinds of things that benefit from, That local yoga instructor creating a piece of content. You know, we have we have a a lifetime location here, um, not far from our our Raleigh office. At you you know, localized to to that individual location that ladders up to the
0: entire brand. So that's that's so okay, great. Uh, You've you've pushed it out. You're making uh, the brand more relevant to the local level. But doesn't, doesn't the company, don't marketers that are trying to do this worry about losing control of their message? Like what's to stop a, a yoga instructor from posting an inappropriate uh, photo from a brand perspective versus, you know, from what she, she or he thinks uh, is appropriate?
1: That that's uh, that is our number one kind of kind of pushback question when we first talk to people about this, and, that, and that's exactly right. Um, you, you know, my initial response always is, hey, if, if I want to create an inappropriate piece of content with your logo on it, not really hard for me to do, right? I can go, I can go pull your logo today, and I can, uh, you know, I could I create whatever I want, and you don't have any visibility to that, right? What we believe is. Providing people uh, the tools, uh, kind of the framework, uh, training, and then policy actually gives you a, a stronger control of your brand than you would have otherwise. You know, um, what we hear from a lot of people. Uh, is that, wow, you know, our folks are already making content and like, we don't, you know, a lot of it, we just don't like, you know, it it doesn't look good. It's not on brand, you know, what, what have you, you know, think about all the challenges that a marketer would have, uh, you know, and we take, well, you know, there's an easy solution to that. Give them tools, you know, so using a product like ours, uh, people, you know, people can control the look and the feel, um, you can control fonts, colors, uh, logo placement, you know, all of those kind of things and empower your people to make content. You know, what we believe is, wow, Lifetime's marketing group is doing a great job. You know, so they're, they're doing, they're doing a, a great job with, with their channels and their streams, but how powerful is the network of that yoga instructor who is working for them, or if you think about, you know, move that forward to, you know, our world uh, the, the, that we've all come from in the shopper marketing world, how, um, how, how influential is the beauty advisor at Walgreens, you know, that, that every day people are coming in for, uh, to, to ask about, you know, you know, how to use beauty products and, and connect that. That person's network is so much more powerful locally and from an engagement standpoint than is Walgreens' network um, that the, the two really work well together. But, yeah, you, you hit on the, the number one challenge that I, that I think uh, we face. Uh, my personal point of view is, you know, in the not-too-distant future, two or three years from now, Everyone is going to be uh, making content as part of their job, and it, it's just going to be a, a like a like a uh, 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 oh of course yeah we want people to do that and, you know that, that totally makes sense we we uh, we're excited when that person is talking to a customer in store why wouldn't we why why wouldn't we translate that to the, that person's digital relationships.
0: So so do these challenges, especially with social media relevancy, uh, are these what – let's talk about your book. Is this what Retail Relevancy is going to be about or focused on?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, so so my uh, co-author on Retail Relevancy is is my business partner, Ted Rubin. Uh, And Ted Rubin and I met uh, years ago when he was at Elf Cosmetics. He was the CMO. And I was on the marketing team at Walmart, really starting to think about, um, uh, you, you know, what, what's going to happen when this was 2008, 2007 when we met, and both of us were, you know, kind of had fallen into um, the influencer marketing space at that time. Uh, Ted, Ted uh, will tell you, you know, he had no budget, so you know, working working with beauty influencers and providing them with with e.l.f. products was a way that that he could could expand his his content creation and reach. Um, I was just trying to understand how is Walmart relevant in social media, right? Because if you think about what Walmart does, um, you you know, Walmart's a retailer. Uh, Its strategy is is everyday low prices, so I have low prices every day, and people kind of know that. Um, what conversations could Walmart be part of that were actually relevant to its shoppers, you know, telling people uh, that Walmart has low prices on social channels um, is nice, but not particularly useful. I I got it. Right. Um, And and what what we kind of, you know, we kind of stumbled on at Walmart was uh, that there were all of these, um, uh, you know, what I would call a frugality or money-saving influencers who were creating awesome content about how to save money, you know, which is if you think about Walmart's kind of core brand purpose, supporting the, the production and, and, and creation of that content was something that, that Walmart could really get behind. And we had created a, um, created a group of, of influencers called the Walmart 11 Moms that uh, we, we partnered with to, to make content about saving money. And, and we were lucky enough, I think, to not uh, make their objective saving money at Walmart. It was how do you save money, right? And if they chose to, to include Walmart in that, that was great. If they didn't, that was great too. Uh, you know, the authenticity of the content money, you know, and how, how Walmart could, could help uh, support that. Um, fast forward now a decade, we believe a huge untapped resource in, in the influencer space is, is store employees uh, and, uh, and company employees. Um, direct sellers uh, have known this for a long time. If you think of, you know, Avon and Tupperware and Arbonne and, and uh, you know, folks that, that are selling products, you, you know, through their, their workforces, you know, They've been leveraging social tools now for quite a while and, and are very comfortable in that space and 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 I think that the rest of the world is quickly going to catch up with them and, and having that tool set to make that easy um, to, to your point create some brand control and and, and visibility into that is, is both from a, a, a you know creation standpoint and a measurement standpoint are, are going to be things that that really add some, some, you know, combustible fuel to, to this, this, uh, this form of content creation?
0: So, I mean, you, you, you started this a decade ago at Walmart. Uh, you've seen it for the last decade. I would say from the outside, uh, I think that marketers, traditional retailers, still have not cracked that code. I think they are able to hire the social agencies. They're hiring, you know, comp- they're they're coming up with interesting social media ideas every once in a while that sort of they they uh, they snowball into something big. But those are few and far between. You know, how do you see? do you see this evolution happening already or do you see these marketers still really struggling with this idea of, first of all, letting go of control a little bit and, and to really being able to use influencers um, effectively?
1: Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. Uh, You know, because I, I still think many marketers are, uh, I'm seeking this this entire brand control piece, and kind of you're right. Anything out of that control, including their influence, are, um, are are something that can can not look and feel like the perfect brand that that they want it to be. The reality is um, the way people interact with brands is not perfect, right? So you know the authenticity, the the, the beauty the beauty of influencers is the authenticity they bring that's actually not the voice of the brand, but aligned with the voice of the brand. And, and this is something you know, we, we struggled with um, and really explored a lot uh, coming out of that that uh, Walmart 11 moms model. Um, you, you may be familiar with, it, with a company that we founded called Collective Bias. And at, at Collective Bias, we, we really um, – you know it was early, so I don't think brands knew as much to ask the question of you know uh, content review and things like that. And our policy was we did not review blogger content. you know we we, um, we, we gave them lots of training, lots of, lots of lots of information, but the content really needed to be theirs and and that authenticity uh, needed to be theirs. And, and I still believe that that's that's true. I, I think a lot of Blogger content has gotten or a lot of you know influencer content has gotten very managed and that's why it looks very generic right it, look, it all looks the same well if it all looks the same you may as well just do do advertising and media what I, what I believe and, and this is you know back to the original uh, question of, of retail relevancy uh, you know you you can see the future evolving today look look at the look at the issue that many kind of you know, stalwart brands that we all knew are really having. You know, um, uh, Kraft Heinz just wrote down the entire value of the portfolio of their brands by about 25 percent. You know, it's one of the, the biggest uh, um, uh, investing kind of kind of that that Warren Buffett has ever had. you know, it's It's been tragic because the reality is, Now that brands and especially fighter niche brands have direct access to consumers, big brands don't matter as much as they used to. You know, you think of big brands that were, that were, um, you know, really able to control the message. They were able to control the shelf space. They were able to, to, to have, you know, prominent placement with temporary displays and all of the things that happen. um, a lot of that went away and now, you know, brands are really facing, Hey, I can't just advertise my way to success anymore. uh, And and then control my retail with my channel relationships. I've actually got to be relevant. So you see brands struggling, like, like, you know, craft and Gillette and, and all of these brands that are, that are trying to figure out this new world. And by the way, I think they'll get there. One is they're, they're extremely well funded and that that really helps And they do have great relationships, but, you, you know, everyone is having to do a rethink of how I connect to the ultimate customer, and it can't just be by, by providing more messaging because, you know, I think as a lot of people are discovering in, in digital, there is a saturation point that we reached probably two years ago. And, and, you know, consumers and shoppers are getting really good at just avoiding messaging altogether. Um, so, so I think it, it, the the um, the thing that is going to come up is, is this this you know extreme authenticity uh, uh, of content and actually being relevant in a in a shopper's life.
0: So, you brought up direct to consumer, and do you direct to consumer generally these days has meant. No brick and mortar, online only. Uh, we do see them competing because of Facebook and social very, very well, but mostly in the paid media space. Uh, do, you, do you see – do you think that direct-to-consumer has cracked this code, or is it, is it just uh, more effective because it doesn't have to rely on retail operations and can spend all its money in marketing?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's a great question. Um, I, d- I don't think direct-to-consumer has cracked the code, no. And, and I, I think there's a, a lot of proof points to that. Uh, I, you know, I think about every day. I was, I was out at our, our local um, uh, uh, village shopping center, and there's a beautiful new Warby Parker store there, right? So you, you think about all these brands that are, are building physical. I, I don't think you can escape, uh, the fundamentals of retail just because you didn't have brick and mortar because you don't, um, channels are still going to be reality. Uh, I, I think the, the, the challenge for everybody is going to be, there. probably going to be two or three really strong channel holders, you know, Amazon, uh, Walmart, and Alibaba, and everybody else is going to be fighting for, for scraps, you know, and, and I may want to buy Warby Parker, Parker glasses, but I don't want to buy that. You know, it's too hard for me to do that from a single source. I want to do that within my Amazon relationship or whatever. Um, I, I think direct-to-consumer is a little bit skewed today because there's a lot of venture capital money supporting direct-to-consumer models. I mean, look, look at what, what has happened with the, um, the meal solutions companies. You know, there's not really a sustainable meal solutions company today. Uh, and I think the, the reality is that the, the space got a little ahead of itself thinking, Oh, it's going to be great. People are going to buy meals and, and, you know, probably most people do the math that, that my, my wife and I did, which was, yeah, you know, Blue Apron was really cool a couple of times, but, you know, I don't need to pay three X the, the, the dollars that I could be to get all of this in my Harris Teeter basket, go pick it up and chop it up myself. Right. You know, so um, it, it's going to be interesting to watch how those, those worlds blend. Um, I think if you want to watch the future, keep your eye on Nike. You know, Nike is, has always been probably one of the best at thinking about channels. You know, if you, th- if you think about, uh, about Nike and how it sold, you know, kind of baseline shoes at Kohl's up to specialty shoes through – um, boutique retailers it was one of the few brands that could really span the the gamut uh, uh, of retail. Um, I believe 100% the thing that all retail channels have to worry about with a brand like Nike is Nike probably doesn't need them. you know at, at some point um, Nike would just as soon sell you its shoes directly because it's got 30 40 points of margin tied up in that that it can use to spend on media. So I think we're in the early stages of, of how these models develop, um, and, and it's going to be interesting to watch and see, uh, you know, if companies like Harry's Razors, which was a, a disruptor or dollar shape, but it, which has already been purchased, uh, become parts of brands or, or parts of, of retailers' um, uh, own brand strategies.
0: Let's take it back to something you said earlier, a comment you made about Photify and and, uh, the technology there. One thing you said was, um, you know, if you have only one account, uh, then Google and I'm sure Facebook and Instagram and all that only see you as one account. And and that that goes to something that actually comes from our last podcast with a man named Christopher Penn. And he... Mm -hmm. He talks about this idea that marketers, one of the biggest challenges to marketers today is that actually they're not marketing to humans anymore. They have to market to algorithms, right? This, the art, artificial intelligence that Facebook and Instagram and Google use to decide what content gets promoted to whom and when and where. You know, how have you seen that uh, affecting things that you see at Photify or the way that you talk to your, to your other clients? Sure.
1: Uh, great question. I, I wrote an article about that very subject uh, about, a, about a year and a half ago. Um, talking about marketing, I, I think it's, um, it, it, it's actually something that, that marketers need to, to think about. At Photify, we think about it this way. Um, so you take a brand like Lifetime. Um, last month, in, the, in their last measurement month in February – uh, about seventy percent of the total content footprint of all of Lifetime's visible content—the content that we can we can see—came uh, from its Photopop community. So you you start to think about that in terms of how algorithms work today. I say to a lot of brands today, especially uh, um, you, you know franchise retail, um, hey, uh, you know Yelp. And TripAdvisor and, and other companies have done a masterful job at localized algorithm optimization and are now in between you and your customer, right? So if you think if I search pizza near me today, uh, I'm not going to probably get other than an ad. I'm probably not going to get Pizza Hut or, or my local place. Probably the for one of the first uh, organic um, uh, returns I'm going to get is going to come from Yelp. And um, I don't particularly like Yelp between me and and my if I'm a if I'm a restaurant and I sh- I don't like them as a consumer between me and you know I'm just trying to find good pizza near me. Um, we 100% believe the way to overcome that is to produce more local content. If you think about what Yelp did, it's pretty smart. It just it just sucked up any of the local content it could see and, and used it. Uh, to, to drive it, it's, um, it, its position ranking on, on Google, um, and, I, and I think it, it's, you know, it's trying to do that on other channels as well, um, there is no, a way, no better way to control uh, what algorithms think is important than fresh, uh, local, and relevant content. And nobody can create better, fresh,
0: local, relevant content than you and your employees at the local level. You've said to that point, you've said that you believe that marketing will truly win when humans control the machines instead of the machines controlling the humans. Is that what you meant, or or is there something more to that? Yeah,
1: and that's a that's a Ted quote. Uh, I, I I will use it, but I'll, I'll give him the attribution. Yeah, the, the idea is I think a lot of folks are marketing to the machine right now. So everyone's thinking about, you know, one of, one of the things, I have uh, several friends who, who have uh, consultancies in the, the SEO space, and the first thing be, I want to rank, you know, number one for whatever, right, Com- common thing. And, and there's a lot of, a lot of uh, tactics to be able to, to, to do that, most of which, you know, Google wipes out as soon as it sees anybody gaming the system. Um, and we all say to them, great, make more content. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and that's not an answer people want to hear, right? They want there to be this – this formula or this solution or whatever, and, and I like look. Nothing wins better than fresh, relevant content. By the way, every day, and, and it, you know that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Uh, whether you do it yourself, whether your agency does it, whether it's a combination, and, and you know, so so we really believe that that one way to overcome that is is for everybody to make content. You know, I focus. I, you know, I, I feel like a broken record because I, I talk to, we have 10 employees at Codify, at and I really think that I probably say two or three times a day, hey, have you made some content today? Have you shared some of our content that we've made today? What kinds of things uh, uh, have you done to make content uh, or share content about us today that's going to help us be more relevant as people are are looking for solutions in content creation platforms.
0: So you're, so no matter how many employees you have, you, your best practice recommendation is empower them to create content that's positive for the brand and push it out to their social media channels.
1: I I believe it's, it's one of the ways it's obviously there are a lot of things that you can do, but I believe it's one of the ways right now that you can win. You know, we we um, when when we were uh, operating eleven moms at Walmart and and a bias for brands around other retailers, we knew at that time we could win search result rankings simply by just making more content than than existed. So you, you know, when when we would run a collective bias campaign, and we would have fifty. Uh, uh, influencers from around the country make content it, it just simply there was more content than, you know, about, uh, you know, craft macaroni and cheese creative dinner night, that, you know, sourced from Walmart than, than existed in, in the entirety of the, the, the body of content on, on the internet at that time. Now, the, you know, fast forward, uh, it, you know, um, almost a decade from when we began doing that, of course, everyone realizes that. But still, a lot of the content that's created is, is created through ads. It's created through other. It's it's not actually localized, uh, uh, fresh, all uh, you, you know, um, uh, original content. And and there's several reasons for that. But but the most is it's hard
0: and it's expensive. Well, thank you very much for for everything. You've uh, your your. Growing, photify, you're writing books, you're lecturing, uh, business school, good luck to you and all those endeavors.